Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my co-host, Ed Carbajal. And on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed, how you doing, my man? Good, good, man. I'm just here, you know, relaxing. Uh, obviously, uh, we are going to have a guest for the podcast, but uh, she had a postpone till tomorrow morning. So we, we're going live now with our portion Phoenix Carnivales uh going to come in and school us on uh, Karate Combat, the new full-contact karate promotion that they're featuring their event tomorrow. Um, it's it's a free live stream at karate.com and uh, also on Fight TV. If you don't have the app, just go over to the blogboardjungle.com and you can get the link to download the app there. And also, I actually already embedded the stream, so if you don't even feel like doing it, you can just watch it there. But um yeah, tomorrow morning I'll uh, I'll speak with Miss Carnival, and so apologies to those that uh, that we had said it to, but it was kind of a short notice thing, and uh, she's just uh, had to postpone till the morning. But um, yeah. And the Karate Combat event is that tomorrow night or is that Thursday night, the twenty sixth? It's uh, it's Thursday night, the twenty sixth at nine thirty p.m. my time, Eastern Standard Time. And you know what's funny, man? I was just thinking, just off on a tangent, because uh. Uh, the whole premise of this of this show is it's east. You're west coast, and I'm um east coast. And I always ha- I always had that feeling that our time difference would fall would mess up uh, scheduling stuff. And uh, it it just seems like the guests we get on the west coast are just easier to schedule because of uh the three hour you're three hours behind me. So I have a feeling this won't be the first or the last time it happens. But it happens, man. It happens. The the clock keeps moving. Time waits for yeah, no well, we're getting people that are busy doing a lot of things in the yeah. world of martial arts. Um, she's a busy lady, yeah. Yeah, between her own podcast and, like you said, her seminars and um, Karate Combat, working with Access TV. Um, she'll have a lot to say tomorrow, so I look forward to hearing your interview with her uh, once that gets posted. Cool, thanks, man. You know what, uh, real quick, before we get into uh, the other stuff we were going to talk about anyway uh, with uh, the UFC in Atlantic City and, and the stuff going on this weekend, um if anybody hasn't gone over to the blogboardjungle.com and read Matt's recent post, I know it's on the MMA community forum, but uh, he, the that that thing you wrote about uh, Cyborg versus Carano, that uh, that had me thinking when I read it. Uh, actually, I put it in one of the posts when I re- when I reposted it for people to read. Uh, Cyborg has had to like she's it's like she's constantly having to prove herself. I mean, look how yeah, long I mean, ago that was, and and she's still to this day she's still fighting to show people like I'm I'm legit, man. Like it's it's almost it kind of bothered me just reading it. Well, she, I mean, at that time Gina was a superstar, yeah, and um, you know that's you know I, I like to write that I like to I've been thinking about ways to write about women's MMA, and I started getting into it and realized that if I talked about everything I had seen, it was going to end up being a you know forty thousand uh, word book basically so i i had to go to the, the start um when i was uh, going to no holds barred fights and uh witnessed some pretty wild stuff on the indian reservations but the very first fight that uh in women's mma that really caught my attention and i mean i, I say in the article about how i got on a plane to go watch it was that fight um gina Carano was an absolute superstar and the hardcore fans that were watching the fights had got a, a new cyborg from the some of the undercards on the elite xc um and she had made her name on a, on a couple of the bigger fights but um, she was always in Gina's shadow and uh, getting there and just seeing how big of a superstar Gina was and 
you know, I went into the fight rooting for Gina. The the arena was, everybody yeah. was, but but um, you know, you knew Cyborg was a killer and you knew it was going to be a battle. So yeah, I highly recommend everybody uh, who gets a chance uh, look at that, read it. Um, it's just one of those retrospective articles that I decided to write uh, about one of the historical fights that I got to witness live. Yeah, I mean that's that series that you do the view from the Hawks Nest that you've been kind enough to actually post on 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 uh, the blogboardjungle dot com. So I really appreciate that. But the I actually remember. I mean, you were. It's funny that you 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 remember flying over to see it because I actually remember I watched it with uh, my old roommate. Uh, he wasn't. We weren't. He wasn't my roommate at the time, but and he's somebody. He's a casual fan, and even he remembers that fight. Like everybody, it was such a monumental point in the sport. Then it kind of like dissipated, and everyone talks about Ronda Rousey and what she did. But it's really that's the fight that kind of put it out there. And you, I, I think you, uh, when you mentioned it, I mean the way you closed your piece, that was a really good point to make because a lot of people, like you know, they're just now finding out about Chris Cyborg, and it's like, no, this is not her first rodeo, man. She's 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 been there already before. And now she's like she's got a fight to do it again to prove herself as uh, the best uh, female fighter on the planet, pretty much. Well, you know, you see Cyborg these days and everybody just is so intimidated by her. Holly Holm had a nice strategy and was able to kind of hang in there, but she never really went after Chris. And, uh, you know, you look back at that fight and uh, whether it was just a more of a Wild West type of the time in the sport or what, but Gina really went at her, got in her face and, I mean, just made it a great fight. I, you know, when I think of great one round fights in the history of uh, MMA, uh, I think of that fight and the uh, Paul Daly, uh, Nick Diaz for two for fights that ended with you know with one or two seconds left in the first round and mm. you know it was just non-stop action from the start to finish the arena was electric um and it, it was just a huge fight it you know if gina had won it probably would have uh got us to the the right ronda rousey kind of era quicker um but cyborg was uh without a doubt the baddest woman on the planet after that fight and um you know, and she's proven it over the last, I mean, that was 2009. So we're nine years later and uh, still hasn't lost. And, you know, other than a round or two to Holly Holm hasn't, I don't think it lost a round other than that. Yeah, no, definitely, man. That's definitely a memorable one. That was a great read. Uh, thank, thanks again for sharing it, but uh, all right. But like now we got to get up to a uh, recent history this past weekend in my home state, Atlantic city. Uh, I, I, I wish I was there for it. I don't know. I mean, I told you I got poison ivy, so I was kind of like in the house all weekend. But that was, uh, I mean, that was a bunch of crazy fights, man. Yeah, I, uh, I was out, so I didn't, I didn't get the chance to actually study them as much as I liked. Uh, but I, I definitely watched them in the background. Um, you know, uh, when I was glancing through stuff, the one that really caught my eye was the David Branch fight, um, him against Tiago Santos. Uh, I went into the fight thinking Branch would, would outskill him, but uh, Santos on a four-fight win streak was just uh, mowing people down, and I, I didn't see David Branch knocking him out in the first round. I, that was a that was a big surprise and a, and a massive win for Branch and yeah. moving up in the rankings. Yeah, you know what? I wasn't really surprised, though, only because like when you, uh, when you think about it, and I, I don't know if I wrote about it or I just thought about it, uh, but it's like, he was he was ready. He's been ready to go since the UFC was in Orlando back in what was that February, and uh, that was when he was originally scheduled. And they pushed him back to to that fight, and uh, you know that was supposed to be his comeback fight after his loss to Rockhold. So I could tell, and, and just from following him on social media, and when he was upset about the fight being pushed back, 
I could tell that he had a lot of, uh, I guess, angst. He was ready to go. So, and I think I think we saw it obviously in that fight that he was just like he wanted to get back in the win column, and uh, he did so in a in a really good, obviously in a in a stunning fashion to a lot of folks. But I saw him win in that fight. I was I wasn't surprised at all. I was I was I, and I was happy for him too because you know he's a former two division champion himself, and uh, I feel like he's a lot a lot of times he kind of gets brushed under the rug by the promotion like i don't think he gets uh enough uh you know uh they don't recognize him enough for what he's already done in the sport well in his first stint in the ufc he had some fights that weren't too memorable um i don't remember his exact record i think he was like two and two but none of them were really stunning wins i think um if, if i recall i believe gerald harris um knocked him out with a slam um was probably one of the bigger highlights which was which is not, you know, obviously not good for him. But then, he, like you said, he went on to World Series of Fighting and had a huge run uh, where he won the middleweight and light heavyweight uh, titles. That's the thing with him. I mean, having won and defended the light heavyweight title um, in World Series of Fighting, if he's able to uh, to transfer that down to the middleweight division in the UFC and now he's developed a, a knockout punch, um, that puts him in a whole nother, uh, another threat to all the other contenders in that division. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just hope uh, I hadn't, I didn't look at the injury report that deeply. I know it's been published already, but because uh, he had talked about his leg, he said his leg was busted up, but I, I hope it wasn't actually, you know, busted up. But um, I'd have to look because I know that they released a list of suspensions this morning or Monday morning. I forget when. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to his his comeback fight. The fighter you just mentioned, actually, the one that that you said. Uh, Knocked him out by slam. Is that the guy that they picked as an alternate for the Bellator? Just- yeah, I, I, rec- I recall that that's who knocked him out. I, I hope I'm not confusing him with somebody. But, yeah, Gerald Harris, um, who also just got announced today, is stepping in for John Salter um, in Bellator against uh, – who is it? Uh, Rafael Lovato. Uh, there it is, uh, Lovato Jr. So uh, he he's stepping in uh, on, what are we, four days' notice now? Yeah. Uh, before that huge fight, so – you know, he's another guy who's been around a while, fought in World Series of Fighting, uh, been very competitive. So glad to see him get another chance against an undefeated opponent. Should be, should be not not a bad fill-in. Uh, Salter going down is obviously uh, not good because uh, I think with a win he was probably looking at a title shot. But um, you know, good solid veteran coming in for a, a last-minute replacement is uh, and- not a bad job. Yeah, no, definitely not. But um, the other fight from the Atlantic City event that uh, Devashvili and Ricky Simon wasn't that the card that that uh, Corey Turner was on that Ricky Simon? Yeah, Simon won at? the main event that night, and uh, he signed a UFC contract right after it. Wow. So I mean, that's a, I I mean, he I, I he obviously he won, but uh, everyone keeps talking about uh, the stoppage and the confusion with it. But um, I I I didn't I honestly thought he was losing the first round of that fight and then the second round he kind of turned it around cuz uh Mirab Devashvili the guy out of Sarah's camp was is i mean he's a tough he, he's a tough <laughs> that's the one tough customer obviously he didn't tap but that was definitely an odd submission a way odd way to go out and uh, kind of creepy yeah i'm not sure about you know i know the referees John McCarthy Mark Goddard um a bunch of the well respected refs are saying that he was out I, I got to watch it again. Uh, you know, they keep, I don't know if the, if the referee waved it off at the bell, then that would be one thing, but I, I, I'm a little confused on to whether they went to the replay to see if he was out or if it was just kind of a huddle up on the, 
on the cage side. Um, I mean, it was definitely, it was close. Um, I thought he might've been out for about a half second, but, um, you know, seeing that he was ahead on two of the three judges scorecards, that's a tough loss to take when you, uh, yeah. When you hold out for that last minute, I know it looked like he KO'd himself when he, uh, kind of got DDT'd into the mat on the ta- when he, when he got put into the guillotine choke. Yeah. Um, I thought the referee missed that one. That probably should have been the end of the fight, but, um, definitely a bizarre situation with the way he was kicking his legs and, um, yeah, that was the thing. I mean, this is something that obviously we just had Ray on last week. Uh, it'd be nice to hear uh, his take on it. Maybe he'll com- maybe he'd comment in the uh, the community forum. But uh, the one thing that I noticed as I was watching it, because I, I I actually yelled out, "He's out!" at one point because when he was kicking his legs and Simon had the guillotine on his his right hand was free and there was space between their their chests. Where I'm like, okay, you can at least try to get your hand in there to hand fight. And he didn't do that. That's what made me think he was out already. I think that, like, like uh, you know, the body was just doing what the body does. Because uh, weird things can happen when you go. I mean, I've been put out a few times myself, and uh, I don't remember. I mean, I've, I've heard of stories of what I did or, you know, what people saw. Because usually when you're out, you, someone's waking you up, and you're like, oh, what happened, you know? So um, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards that he was also, you know, out too with everybody else. Yeah, I mean, if he was, it was a matter of one set. I mean, he it, all that really matters is if he was out when the bell sounded and the hold was released mm-hmm. because the referee didn't call anything prior to that. So when he releases the hold, he looks kind of spaced out for about a half a second. His eyes are open, which doesn't mean anything. He could be unconscious with his eyes open. Yeah. Um, but uh, Simon stands up and, and points to the referee that he's out, and instantly he responds saying, no, he's not, kind of gets up. It's definitely a close call. Um, it, you know, if it was a situation like we saw years ago with Jeremy Horn and Chuck Liddell, where Liddell was out unconscious, or uh, we saw it a couple years ago um, in the uh, 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 Evan Smith uh, Pennington fight, uh, where Smith was choked unconscious, uh, those weren't at the end of the fights; they were they were at the end of the round. Um, but you know, we don't want unconscious fighters winning fights. I think that would be a bad precedent to set. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, even if they're on the cards, if once the fight ends, if they're released, they can't be asleep on the mat and then get their hand raised. We saw that happen in uh, in an Invicta fight in uh, Missouri about a year ago. or uh, It was actually January of, uh, shoot, January of, I think, 2015, there was a fight. I can't recall the fighters' names, but uh, one was of them was choked. Was Mike England the ref? He might have been, uh, <laughs> no, but one of the players was choked unconscious after the second round. And, uh, she woke up a few seconds after the, the bell laying on the ground. And then the ref let her continue. And she ended up winning the decision, hmm. uh, after surviving the third round. So oh, I just remember that. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but that was, oh, who was that? It was the, uh, one of the girls was like Josh Barnett's students, right? I, you know, I can't remember. I was actually, yeah. I remember watching the fight in a hotel room. I was at the BJ Penn uh, uh, Rodriguez fight in uh, Phoenix that weekend. But uh, I know Megan Anderson was the main event that night. Uh, that's when she won the title that uh, that Cyborg had vacated. That's how I remember the card. But uh, I, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. We don't want to have unconscious people winning fights. Um, but, the you know. If he was, you know, if he was out, the ref made the right call. But if he was just kind of, you know, space traveling there for a minute or for a half second, I, you know, that's a tough way to lose a fight. If uh, if two of the three judges had you winning it. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it was it, it was still uh, I, they definitely got their uh, bonus though for fight of the night uh, for, for or, yeah fight of the night, well deserved too because I mean yeah, the the place I was watching it at uh, was definitely paying more attention to that than whatever baseball or whatever the hell was on TV, um, but um uh that was also the Frankie Edgar and Cub Swanson both had their kind of return fights after both losing to Brian Ortega. So it was kind of like, that's kind of how they marketed it. Um, I don't know. What did you, what did you think of the, of the return of these guys? I mean, Cub Swanson, they were skeptical that he wasn't going to come back to the UFC because he was exploring a free agency for a little while there, but obviously they, uh, they both decided to run it, run it back against each other. Well, I think it was probably one of the reasons why Cub came back to the UFC and, and, you know, if he probably got offered the fight, to get a rematch against somebody that had uh, given him a pretty bad loss in the past. Uh, Edgar fought smart. Didn't, uh, didn't go for the kill or anything like that, but kind of played the Frankie Edgar style of fighting and, uh, you know, got a win that he had to have. If, if he would have taken a loss there, two losses in, you know, eight weeks or whatever it is, would have been uh, pretty much an end to his, uh, his 145 pound uh, career. I would say um, Swanson is what he is. He's a tough fighter. Um, a threat to anybody, but I think he's kind of going to be the, the, you know, the person that everybody's going to have to go through to get into the top five in that division. Um, and it's not bad though. If he hangs around, beats some people, um, you know, you, as you saw with, uh, Iakenta a few weeks ago, if, uh, if you're ranked in the top 10 and you're beating some people, you're, uh, you're, you're open to, to a possible crazy title shot. We saw it with Michael Bisbing. We've seen it with a bunch of guys in the past. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was just, obviously, you know, this whole state was happy that Frankie Edgar won because he's if, for MMA. He's obviously like the uh, the flagship fighter for for New Jersey. Um, it's too bad Jim Miller didn't have the same uh, luck that night, but uh, I felt bad watching him take that knee. But he, uh, you know, he's 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 just uh, that's a tough dude. All those South Jersey guys are pretty tough. Yeah, Jim Miller's been around a long, long time, and yeah. uh, I think he tied the record for most fights in the octagon. Um, but that's four losses in a row, um, you know, with a brutal knockout on this one. It's just one of those things. He's beaten a ton of great fighters, and, uh, you know, I don't think he's necessarily ready to hang them up, but, uh, you know, I don't know if he should necessarily waste his time on the undercards the UFC is right now. There's other organizations out there that uh, he could go main event. Um, you know, I don't know if he has the want to go to Japan or something, but throwing him in a lightweight tournament in, in uh, Ryzen or something like that would be pretty uh, pretty cool, and I think he would help, uh, be really dangerous in something like that with his wrestling. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and uh, I, I feel like he's, he's mentioned exploring uh, other other places to fight, too, like maybe a year ago. I think the interview uh, was on Flow Combat he, when, he, when he talked to uh, Dwayne Finley. Uh, I can't remember exactly if where he said he was interested in, but I'm pretty sure, uh, I, I know he definitely mentioned it, but, um, um, the main event, obviously, uh, Kevin Lee is, uh, is back in, uh, in the win column, but let me ask you something. A lot of people are commenting on, uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. People are, are kind of like knocking Kevin Lee's win because he didn't make weight, but it's like, and he called out Khabib and Khabib's the champ and he hasn't made weight in the past. I'm like, I kind of don't care what weight they fight at. I just, I, I would just like to see him fight. I don't, I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be a great fight. I don't. It's not the fight that I want to see right now. Um, I'd like to see Khabib, you know, fight 
you know, Connor's the fight to make, but I, in a perfect world, I would hope the UFC wouldn't reward him with a title shot after all the, the bullshit that went down in, uh, in Brooklyn a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I know, uh, Khabib's aiming for, uh, November, I think in Madison square garden in New York. So if it's not Connor, um, which like I said, I'd kind of would, would prefer that they kind of put their foot down a little bit. Um, I'd like to see Eddie Alvarez. I would like to see him get, you know, he's right there. He's the, uh, you know, he was, he's the previous champ before Connor at that weight class. Um, he had an embarrassing loss to Connor at MSG in, in 2015. And, you know, his style wise, he, he poses some problems for Khabib and, you know, him being a, a Northeast, uh, you know, the underground King out there. I, I just think it'd be cool to see if he could uh, kind of redeem himself in MSG and take down the unbeatable Khabib. I, I think that would, uh, that'd be a cool storyline that they could use. Um, to sell the fight. And I mean, that's kind of the fight. I'm a, I'm a huge Alvarez fan. So maybe I'm a little biased, but that's kind of the, the one I'd like to see. Um, Kevin Lee would be nice, but you know, Khabib's catching a lot of heat for fighting, you know, the 11th ranked fighter in the last minute to get the title. Yeah. And um, I, you know, he fights the fifth ranked guy and wins. Then all of his haters are just going to be saying that he fought the fifth ranked guy and didn't fight the other, the other four. You know, so I, I, I'd prefer Alvarez if it's not Connor. Um, Poirier is right there, too. I'd, I'd probably take Lee ahead of uh, Dustin just because I think uh, it's a tougher matchup for Khabib and it would be a really, really good fight. But, uh, you know, it's hard to reward a guy with a title shot who doesn't make weight immediately. You know, yeah, I, I mean, but like, again, the guy that has the titles is someone that that doesn't make weight either. And that was that's one thing. I you, I know you mentioned uh, Connor getting the shot, but I'm kind of like, and I wrote about it over at my MMA news. Um, like all these guys that are active and competing and fighting and, and and chasing, chasing you know their their own view of what they believe the rankings are or should be, are are putting in the work and and they're correcting, including featherweight the the, the two titles that Connor still says he he claims. Um, they're correcting themselves with, with the competition amongst them. I mean, with the fights like like we just talked about, Swanson and, and Frankie Edgar and, and Brian Ortega is going to fight Max Holloway, and, and he was ready to he was ready to go to fifty five to fight in Brooklyn, and, and then all those the, everything that happened with Kevin Lee this month. I feel like April without Connor, the only thing Connor fought was that bus. I feel like the divisions uh, these guys are settling it amongst themselves. And um, I don't, I, I honestly, I don't care if he gets the title shot. Like I, I, I kind of want to see, like I said, I, I kind of want to see, uh, I'm liking Kevin Lee and Khabib right now myself. Well, you, I mean, you say Khabib hasn't made weight and in the past that, that, that was an issue for him um, two or three fights ago. He's made it his last two. He's the champ. So he's there no matter what. Yeah. The, the issue with Kevin Lee is that um, he missed weight this time. His last fight, it took a second weigh-in for him to make weight, which isn't always a big deal, but um, it, it's not a great sign either. If you make that fight for Madison Square Garden in November and you make that the fight of the year, mm. um, you can't really – if he doesn't make weight and that fight gets canceled and you end up with Khabib versus – you know, Takanori Gomi, then <laughs> you, know, yeah, you, can't, yeah. you can't really complain. That I mean, that's my thing. Like, I'm not a big fan of the weight classes. I'm not a big fan of the weight cuts. I'd prefer to sign a fight and just say, we agree we're going to show up within 10 pounds of the weight. 
and go from there. But, um, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't reward a guy who missed weight. I know yeah. he only missed it by a pound, but, um, too many guys are professional, make weight every time. Yeah. And, uh, I, I reward those guys, especially if they're ranked ahead of him in the rankings right now. You know, it's funny though. You just, what you just said, it's, it's super like deja vu because I was actually talking about it with uh, Nolan King back in, was it in February when we were at, we were at Mohegan sun, uh, covering uh, the Bellator event with Mitrion and, um, uh, Roy Nelson after the fight we were talking looking ahead at brooklyn and one of the things that we talked about was uh uh we were like okay but like we because at the time it was ferguson and khabib which fell apart you know what five times already or whatever the number is and it's four um, or five yeah yeah so and uh now what you just said it's like you know do you book a do you book a fight in a venue that's risky like that i mean I, i you're probably right they probably wouldn't think about booking anything risky for november at madison square garden um especially with what happened at 223 because even though 223 wasn't a bad event it wasn't like 208 but it was uh obviously the stuff leading up to it is probably making them you know rethink their where they go in new york well the commission there is obviously strict every event they've had there has had issues whether it was a fight night or uh the first one we lost uh cerrone and gastelum um uh, the day of the weigh-in, you know, and then I think they had issues with, you know, I don't remember exactly the whole issues. I know that was the one that got canceled and um, they weren't too keen on, uh, I think Jim Miller had offered to step up some guys like that because Tiago Alves had missed weight by like seven pounds or something. Also uh, that event, but uh, you know, I, I just, there's guys ranked higher than him. If, if uh, Kevin Lee was ranked one or two, um, and it was one pound and he was the, for sure. Number one contender, I'd say, give him the shot. Um, him being ranked five right now with, uh, with worthy people in front of him. Um, even Connor aside, throw Connor out that mix. He still got, uh, Alvarez, Poirier and, uh, uh, well, those two for sure. And then who am I missing? I feel like I'm missing. Oh, and Alvarez, um, or did I say Alvarez? Regardless, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe I'm thinking Connor. It's, with the UFC, their champion's not ranked, so the number one guy is actually the number one contender. He's not the champion. So, um, but it, that that would be my thing. Alvarez would be the fight for me to make, uh, based off location and uh, his history, his fight resume, um, and a chance at redemption in, in MSG. I think would be a, a cool story. Now, you know, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't think he beat Khabib, but. Uh, uh, that's the fight that I would want to watch. No, yeah, and, and the other thing is too, it's it's April now, and you're looking at like you know that's the that's the end of the year pretty much, uh, uh, no, November December. So, um, there, a lot can happen between now and then. You know, yeah, Ferguson. Ferguson was the other name I was trying to think of, but obviously he's out with the knee injury. So, I mean, if he's able to come back by November, I I don't care how many times that fight's been canceled. That's the fight I book, and I take my chance and. You know, you got to book the best fight that's available. Um, Ferguson hasn't done anything other than be injured to to lose that that shot. So yeah, it's kind of messed up how that happened. You know, uh, the interim title I could care less about. They take that away. That's that's irrelevant. If he, you know, he's not going to defend the interim title anyway. Yeah. It, it, he can say he has it, but he's not going to defend it. If he comes back healthy, he's going to fight Khabib, um, or at least he should. I shouldn't say he's going to because anything, anything in most things seem to happen in the UFC that don't make sense recently, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. but with all yeah. that said, we're, uh, 
shoot, what about 96 hours away from the Fedor versus Frank Mir uh, clash at Bellator? Um, yeah, talk, Ner- talking about bias. Talking about bias. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like I said, you know, yeah. I know the nerves are starting to get in. I'm, I'm getting the sweater uh, dry cleaned and ready to go. <laughs> you know, the, the bobblehead for, army is in full force. For, for, for folks that don't know, uh, uh, Matt's got uh, uh, the, he's got an exact re- replica of the of the Fedor. Uh, what's this? A sweater of ultimate victory? Is that actually? The here, here's my my fresh new clean one for uh, <laughs> for Saturday night. Nice. But um, yeah, uh, I, I'm just getting excited for it. I, you know, I've how, been you, the- how you have sweaters and you're in California? I'm the one that needs to have that sweater. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to no, cut you uh, off. Uh, you know, I, I we watching the countdown shows. I, I know uh, I've seen them on some of your Twitter posts, and um, I think Bellator's done a great job. If people haven't seen, they want to Google search the uh, Bellator countdown. I know they've done round one and round two, and it's a really cool look into the uh, the fight camps of both uh, fighters. I mean, two legends um, who have both been uh, monumental, yeah. you know, in, in the sport of MMA and. You know, this is kind of the fight that I wished was the final. Um, when the brackets came out, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, I don't know if it was because maybe in my back of my mind I thought it was a bad matchup for Fedor just based off mere size and his, his grappling ability. But um, it's kind of the fight that I was hope would be the final. You obviously can never plan for that in a tournament. Um, so far, so good on at least guys uh, in the first two fights not getting injured. Um, but yeah. those, their next fight's still a few months off, so anything could happen after after this. So I don't know. I think it's going to be fun. Um, I know the nerves for me will be going, and uh, probably be drinking short. Yeah, I think I feel like it's going to be. It's not going to go all three rounds. Uh, no. I mean, based off what I've, I've based more off Fedor. Well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, Mir's been, you know, kind of a knockout artist his last few fights too. Um, I might be sandwiching some around the snooze fest with Arlovsky and stuff like that. But uh, um, other well, than that, I mean, I, you know, if you put me on the, on the, I'm going to say Fedor wins by knockout uh, early second round. Uh, maybe he has to get, get through and survive uh, on the ground to end the round one. But um, I mean, we, we did have uh Frank Mir striking coach as a guest, not two episodes ago. And um, obviously, uh, uh, so he's, he's got, He's been working on his hands too. I mean, everybody knows Samir's a submission. They got the Belter put out that scary video with uh, Frank Mir telling pe- people how he he's broken more bones and how he doesn't want people to tap and how he'll pay them not to tap. I mean, that right there. I mean, if I mean, if, I know F- Fedor is uh, stone cold, but that was a that was an intimidating promo right there. <laughs> yeah, well, Mir's a bad man, you know, but he. Uh... You know, he had his fight with Noguera where he was getting beat, and then Noguera went in for a choke as opposed to going for the TKO, and it cost him dearly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Mir's a different than he was early in his career, and he was coming off of a, a motorcycle injury when uh, Pedro Pano, you know, that was, I think, at UFC, gosh, I want to say 57. I think I was at that one, and, and Pedro Pano just, I mean, put it on him as a jiu-jitsu guy and brutally TKO'd him. Um, he had his issues with uh, Ian Freeman. I think it was UFC 38 um, in, in London. You know, those are old, old fights now and, yeah. and in the past. But there has been a time in Mir's career where he, when he, when he, uh, when he dealt with some uh, adversity, he didn't exactly rise to the occasion. Um, he's more of a veteran fighter now and knows how to 
to I think to work his way out of those out of those things. But um, I think if Fedor can hurt him, um, I, I think we can. You know, I, th- I think we might see a, a, a mirror that, you know, looks like somebody who hasn't fought in a couple years and is getting up there in age. And, you know, he's 18 and 11. He's fought the best there is, but, uh, you know, he's still got 11 losses. It's weird to look at their records. I know Fedor fought some guys in Japan over the years that that weren't uh, top notch, um, but he has twice as many wins, exactly twice as many wins and almost half and, and less than half the amount of losses that Frank Mir has. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of one of those things, but, uh, like I said, he fought guys, you know, I, I don't know what the most amount of fights, uh, Mir had in a year, but Fedor a couple years had like seven fights a year. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot when he was adding those up. So, I mean, it's two legends. Um, I'm going to pick Fedor by second round, uh, knockout, um, hopefully Brett Rogers style, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will have to wait and see. Wow, man. You really, okay. I mean, I, I try to be as objective as possible. Like, I really think anything can happen, but I, I'm leaning. I'm obviously leaning a little more towards Mir, just because I'm. Uh, I'm looking at. I mean, like I, I, I think when I think about their recent, more recent fights, like I, I just think about. I know Mir got knocked out by Mark Hunt, but that I mean, it's a Mark Hunt punch, and then it's a. It, uh, but then I look at uh, when when Mitrion and Fedor went at it here in New York uh, last summer. And you were there for that. We were both there for that, actually. Um, that was one that was just like uh, so. The when I look at the moments of that fight, they, yeah, they knocked each other down. So they both they obviously uh, he's got the ability to still drop people, but it was the recovery that was that's where I saw the the concern for Fedor. As for, so, if he gets dropped against Mir Saturday, I don't see him scrambling to recover as fast just because of the time it took him to to do it against uh, Mitrion. No, that's fair. I mean, it, you know, and obviously I've stated my bias. I, 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 you know, I don't know. It's two fighters at the end of their career. Neither of them have been extremely impressive. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm going to pick Fedor by, you know, I don't know what the odds are. I think it's Mir's a slight favorite at this point. Um, you know, I don't know how much of that has to do with the American betting audience. Obviously the, the, you know, stuff like that. Mir's, more well known probably to the American MMA fans. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's, you know, I'm just hoping for a great fight. Um, I've stated it before. I just don't want to see any kind of catastrophic injury. I'd hate to see somebody blow their knee out. I'd hate to see somebody hurt their back or their neck or, you know, some stuff we've seen historically where, uh, older fighters get into the cage. Um, I just rather not see that, but, uh, you know, I just, I hope it gets good ratings. I hope this leads to, uh, the the Bader uh, Mo fight being a you know the four, uh, final quarter final and just setting up a great semifinal and you know I don't know what uh, Bellator has planned um, nothing's been announced for the next round of the tournament so I don't know I, if they're coming. I don't know where I mean I asked about New York and uh, they didn't have an answer for me when I asked but um I'll tell you one thing because and this is me going into uh, my tin tinfoil hat mode if you watch those promotional uh, videos. Uh, for this weekend's event, Frank Mir's wearing a hoodie that says New York on it, and and I I've never seen that hoodie before. <laughs> it's a Bellator hoodie with New York, so that leads me to believe that they're already making stuff. They're probably coming back soon. I want to say, but that's just me being uh like I said, I uh sometimes I overthink things and I, I notice stuff that makes me think conspiracy. But uh, 
I don't know what, you know, if Fedor wins, I think that, I mean, if I'm Bellator, I think that's a perfect fight to either do in Russia with Sonnen or in Japan. I think Sonnen would be, would go over huge in, in, in Japan for one, I think his uh, promotions and just the legacy of Fedor uh, in that country fighting. And then I think he could also be, you know, the quote unquote American gangster going into, uh, into Russia. I think that that would be another one that would, I mean, th- that would be a sure sellout. I don't know what the American ratings would be because of the time change and everything like that. But uh, if you wanted to put on a big event in one of those countries, I think you could probably pull it off with those two guys. Um, if Mir wins, that puts Mir and Son in, you know, I don't know. That seems more like of a West Coast kind of fight. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I, you know. I don't know. I I think it's going to be great. I uh, that'll be uh, what's that? Uh, April twenty eighth, uh, sad this Saturday night on uh, the Paramount Network and the Bellator app. So what do, what do you think about folks that like? Because like the one thing that I, I and it bothers me. Even Angelo uh, uh, Angelo Reyes said it when he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Like people people kind of like knocking the fact that these guys are are such veterans and they've been around so long. Like. I always kind of get a little bothered. I'm like, come on. I mean, what wouldn't you want to, if you were a fighter and you wanted to fight, wouldn't you want to still be fighting? Like, why are you going to try to poke fun at them and make, you know, make fun of all oh, the old guys are fighting, you know, like, like, you know, you want you know, you're still going to watch this fight. Number one, if you're, if you're even aware of it, you know, you're going to watch it. And, um, I mean, they're legends too. I mean, you, you don't see people, I mean, doing that in any other sport. That's one thing Angelo said that I was kind of like, I kind of was like, yeah, man, some MMA fans can be rough sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, they can. Um, MMA being a new sport doesn't have the history. You still don't have a lot of people that were, you know, especially our age were, weren't raised on on MMA. Um, you know, all I can really compare it to, I guess, in, in my lifetime would be uh, kind of when George Foreman came back. Um, I think he fought a guy, I want to say he fought Jerry Cooney, and they called it Geezers at Caesars. <laughs> and that that's actually how it was um how it was promoted and yeah. you know and and it wasn't until uh i think foreman knocked out uh michael moore to win the title and it kind of it was unexpected it wasn't yeah. like you know it was it was kind of a circus show um and then and then foreman won that fight and and all of a sudden he became you know kind of an american hero again and you know his whole brand blew up again for a whole other generation you know that's kind of what i'm hoping happens with this fight and this tournament you know um Ryan Bader, Matt Mitrione, you know, winning it doesn't really do anything for the the um, the new generation. They're aware of these guys, but uh, it, I think if somebody like even Sonnen, I, I don't see him winning it. But hypothetically, if him or Mir or uh, or Fedor win this, it kind of is a uh, kind of brings the uh, the new generation of fans kind of a, a old school. You know, hopefully it gets people to go to YouTube and look at all their old fights or yeah. go to Fight Pass and look at all their old fights or, <laughs> or, or just go to Wikipedia and read about them or, or you know, look up some old Sherdog play by play or, you know, stuff like that to get to know these guys. Because that's what, you know, the other sports had. You know, I, I grew up watching baseball, a huge baseball fan, but I never watched Willie Mays play. Um, and I know his career ended uh, pretty ugly, uh, I think, for the Mets um, after playing for the Giants for years. But, uh, you know, nobody. Willie Mays is the greatest baseball player of all time, in, in most people's uh, estimate. Nobody, nobody takes anything away from him based off of his last three or four seasons, where he hit like a a buck fifty and hit like six home runs. 
You know, it, MMA is the only one where the greatest of all time changes every week. That's what that's one of the weird things about uh, the MMA world that that I'm not sure about. Even you know, Michael Jordan finished fairly well with the Wizards, but he was not. He w- nobody would consider the last couple years of Jordan's career him being the greatest of all time. You know, if he was an MMA fighter, he would be. You know, he'd be the guy right now who's three and three in his last six fights, and uh, you know had some real highlights, but had had a had a brutal knockout loss, and people would be talking about how he's washed up and he's not the greatest of all time anymore. You know, Wayne Gretzky in hockey, all these guys, th- their career comes to an end because it gets it gets ugly at the end. You know, I mean, very very few guys. I don't. Jerry Rice, his numbers went down, and he's pretty much considered the greatest football player of all time. You know, he was playing for the Raiders. I think he had about 30 catches his last season in the NFL. You know, MMA is the only fight where you can win 30 fights in a row, you get knocked out, and you go from being the greatest of all time for 10 years in a row to somebody who shouldn't even be ranked in the top 100 of all time. You know, and that's that's an exaggeration. But, you know, it's one of those things where the MMA fans are are, uh, are brutal when it comes to, to recognizing uh, uh, greatness and realizing that, guys get old and their careers come to an end. It's not something that you maintain. If you could maintain it, I mean, if Fedor was still undefeated and was 43 and 0 right now, um, you know, it, it would, it would, it would be unheard of, you know, yeah. you, it just, it doesn't happen in any sport. Um, but for some reason um, in MMA, we, we kind of uh, downgrade our legends, you know, Sakuraba is another example. Anybody that watched Sakuraba compete for 10, 12, 15 years of his career, knew that he was without a doubt one of the top, you know, 20 fighters in the history of the sport. You know, win-loss record aside, the guy was a, an absolute killer who fought everybody. And uh, But he ends his career, you know, in some brutal fashion, losing to Melvin Manhoff, Jason Miller, guys that were just way more in their prime than him. Yeah. While he was pushing the limit, and you know they take it, they take a beating when it comes to the the historical look of of a lot of our fans. But you know, getting back to the fight, I I just hope it's a great fight. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I guess I probably want Fedor to win more, uh, basically because it means there's another Fedor fight down the line. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's something me, tells me there'll be another Fedor fight anyway. I mean, even you know, I doubt if he loses, he's going to retire. I mean, the coolest thing he did recently was after the loss at uh, Madison Square Garden. One of the questions, somebody asked me, I forget who asked him, they were like, they just asked him, uh, and, and from Proof Media, we still have the video up there we're at the post-fight presser when they were just like, oh, why are you still fighting? And he just said, because I'm a fighter. And everybody like stood up and clapped for him because they were like, yeah, man, like, yeah, I can't really, can't really argue with that. No, no, I think, um, you know, once he had his loss, I think some of the pressure was off there and he kind of realized that, you know, it's, it's, about making money it's about fighting doing what he loves you know and if that's the case then all power to him and uh you know i, I think that goes for him and mir you know i i hope this isn't the final fight for either one of the guys but uh you know that's just uh you know being a spoiled uh fight fan you know you want them to hang around longer than they probably should but uh yeah that's true too you know you don't want to get greedy but uh that's what i'm hoping it's just a good performance so everybody can go hey i want to watch both these guys fight again you know yeah. four or five months down the line yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I mean, we're keeping it short because we're going to add the audio uh, when I speak with uh, Phoenix Carnival tomorrow for the, because of the rescheduled interview. Um, and that'll be added to the audio portion of this podcast, which is available on iTunes and Anchor FM and Pocket Cast and Overcast, uh, Coast to Coast Combat Hour. 
So if you guys are in any of those services, please subscribe. And then uh, what else do we got to plug, uh, Matt? I keep forgetting. Uh, Twitter at Combat Hour. Uh, Twitter at MMA Hawk 21. Actually on Twitter and Instagram. And you are at Carbazal on uh, Twitter. Um, the MMA community.com, uh, best forum on the internet uh, for MMA talk. And uh, I think that's about it, man. Uh, look forward to hearing you in uh, Phoenix talk tomorrow and, uh, and uh, tell our next show next week. All right, cool, man. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace. All right, this is the Coast to Coast Combat Hour live with uh, Phoenix Carnavalli, who you probably know from Access TV Fights, uh, UFC Unfiltered, The Daily Burn, uh, Fighting Shape Podcast, and, and, and now Karate Combat. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, let's just start how, uh, with everything you're already doing. How did you get involved with Karate Combat? Through a mutual friend, uh, they were looking for commentators and people to be involved with this brand new organization and league. And, and my name had come up and they had also spoken to Boss Root and, and Boss and I have been really wanting to work together for a while now. So we had dinner and they pretty much explained to me what they were doing. And I was really interested. Uh, yes, everybody knows me from MMA, but I love martial arts. I don't love just MMA. Yeah. I love all martial arts. So I was really interested. I had worked with judo organizations. My first martial arts that I ever studied was karate. So I was, I was like, all right, tell me what you're, you guys are trying to do. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I'm glad you said that because uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, so I don't know if you got a chance to read the Sure Dog article I wrote that because I watched Karate Combat on my own as, yeah. a, as, a, as somebody. I, I did 11 years of Ishinru Karate myself. And uh, uh, some of the comments on that article, uh, I mean, I know it was uh, the original title for it, just so you know, it was Crazy Talk, <laughs> uh, yeah. the rules for McGregor and Mayweather. But uh, the rule set, to, in my opinion, I think would work. It'd be fair for both of them, given their backgrounds. But uh, a lot of the comments that I got, especially when you mentioned karate to, to folks that are hardcore MMA fans, um, it's kind of like, oh, really, karate? Come on. And, and I always find myself having to defend karate uh i don't know is that something that you've come across when you started doing this so much so so much because um the the stigma for karate goes back to a lot of the 80s stuff which we found was obsolete but that was a style back then when mma or when karate is adapted for different types of striking and distances it could be extremely useful People will forget like a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. And some of the greatest fighters we know use traditional, quote unquote, traditional martial arts techniques. And that's what makes it totally exciting. So I think the problem is that karate has become so associated with point fighting that we haven't really seen full contact karate even though we're seeing it all the time in MMA, we just don't realize we are. When we look at certain fighters, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you see Conor McGregor, who everybody, well, most people love, is karate stuff. Yeah. Karate stances, distancing movement, the reverse punch. So 
I think that once the, the education of what is possible with karate, like I, I recently took a seminar with Shinzo Machida mm. and I was like, Oh, look, look, this is ridiculously good striking and distancing and kicking and power. And, you know, not just a flicky uh, kick that most people associate with the tra- chambering, the karate kick. It's yeah. just, I think we need to re-educate the public on its possibilities. Oh yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's funny that you're mentioning the 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 kicking specifically. Uh, one of the guys uh, at, at the academy I trained with in Jersey, he's an amateur fighter, and he's look he's just looking at new ways to kick. And I'm showing him the front snap kick from Ishinru Karate, and to him, it's like you know he he was surprised at the power and everything. Yeah. And then this past weekend at the UFC in Atlantic City, uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Cr. He uh, he he KO'd that guy with a body kick, which was that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people, and then the other thing too, like you said, uh, the things you see in MMA that when guys, when guys like Leota Machida and uh, uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson come out, they're they're, they're all they, they talk about how unique their style is, but it's based off of karate. So I think something like karate combat uh, is definitely a good way to to show folks uh, more folks like that, and um, the fighters especially. Uh, so when uh, the rule set, uh, you did a really good job at the. Uh, on the, the Genesis broadcast of breaking it down for, cause that was the first time they aired it. Um, if you don't mind just, uh, uh, off the top of your head, I mean, it's, it's takedowns. There's no, no hooking punches. Uh, what am I missing? I believe that the hooking punches thing is, is changing or it has already changed because mm. when they, when they first told boss and I that, you know, boss and I were like kickboxers by trade. We're like, what? <laughs> huh? <Yeah. laughs> um, and it's, and it's, I feel like even the fighters in the beginning, they were coming into to issues with the referees because they would say no hooks, no hooks. And they're like, but it's right there. I, <laughs> I, but it's right there. So I think that's changed. Oh, good. Um, what's cool is you will actually see ridge hands and things like that. So, the, you know, there's, there's opportunities like we have ever done point fighting. It's just such an easy way to slip in there. So you'll see ridge hands. Um, the low kicks they're working on too. Right now, it's a low kick below the knee, which mm-hmm. Boston and I are like that's way more dangerous, yeah. you know, because you can you know break your shin and things like that. So we want to incorporate the low kicks to the to the thigh. Um, but think of everything that you would see in glory, because you're not really seeing elbows and knees. The mm-hmm. clinch you can only do for a couple seconds, but you have to strike. But you are allowed takedowns. So if people are familiar with Sanda, it, it's really similar to that except with the karate style. Once a person is taken down, there's no submissions, but you can, you can punch for a certain amount of time. There's no actual like, ground and pound, but you can strike an opponent when they're on the ground. So if you think about like the traditional reverse punch in karate, like that's, that's a completely legal move. And most of it's being really, the action is being dictated by the referee, so they have to continue to move. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very, very exciting. Oh, yeah, it is. Um... But as far as like uh, with the modification or the rule set, I mean, being kind of new for for this type of full contact karate, one yeah. fight, one fight in particular that I wanted to ask you about, because uh, it looked like uh, from the Genesis event, Rafael Agayev and, and Dionoso Gustavo, I think it was that uh, there was times when that when uh, Agayev, who had crazy, nasty throws, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but when he uh, when he got the takedown, it looked like there was confusion by by both guys as to what types of. I think he got reprimanded for for throwing a kick after he threw. Do you know? Yeah. Still? Well, you cannot kick to, on the ground. The only yeah. thing that's legal once you're on the ground is um, is the punching. That's it. 
So I think that was a little bit of confusion there. And I, and I believe because it, it was so brand new that nobody was really clear on what mm. they were allowed to do. I mean, I really can't even think of the last full contact karate thing I've seen. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Norris's World Combat League. That's, yeah. that's pretty much it. You yeah. know? And, and there it was a little bit different because it was really closer to the point fighting system where you had to kick up you know, a lot just to keep the action going. You need to throw a certain number of kicks. So I think now when they're doing the, the next uh, broadcast in Miami, I think mm. things will be a lot clearer to the fighters. And uh, the production value was awesome, by the way, for the, the way they're doing it. I know that the, the one in – so tomorrow, is that going to actually be live? Is it going to look the same or – yeah, it begins at, at seven thirty. I think the main card begins at nine, and um, it's it's in Miami. You can go to karate dot com to to stream it, and then there's a bunch of apps where you can get it as well. So it's it's on iOS, it's on Android, it's free. You yeah. know, so you can you can watch it there. Um, wait, what was your question? I just completely forgot. Just uh, as far as the production value, because uh, oh. Uh, the way yeah. it looked, it looked like a movie, uh, the Genesis event. So I was just wondering, because with the the, are they going to use the same graphics, like that heads up display and everything? Yes, you were talking about? it's it's the same. And the the coolest part about it is, the more shows they do, the more they kind of get the rhythm and the feel of where the shots are supposed to be. I believe it's like an eleven camera setup and something crazy like that. So you're really getting it at all ang- angles. It's crystal clear. It's it is cinematic. the The thing with them is that they want to capture the emotional part of the fighting and make it similar to a video game. So when you see the heads up display and you're getting everybody's stats, you're getting your heart rate, they're getting all these things that are actually going on inside the fighter. Like you would an energy bar in the video game. You know what I mean? So it's, it's cool. And then you can kind of make your assessments. Like somebody's heart rate's really high. Is he super nervous or is it just adrenaline pumping? So it kind of, the cinematic feel is, pretty much to make you feel like you're inside of that movie, you know, and they can get like a close up of a guy as he's looking at the other guy, like what's going on in his eyes, beads of sweat, you know, off the top of his head. It's very, um, it's, it's very dramatic. Yeah. I was going to say it's Mortal Kombat esque the way that, uh, <laughs> the way that I looked at it, uh, when I was watching, I actually watched it. Sure. Uh, I watched it again last night, uh, cause I knew we were going to be talking. So, um, the thing about the, like they're measuring their heart rate, I don't know if you know this actually, because I know it's more kind of like a, a technical thing with the, the production stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, how are they getting that 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 little life bar sort of on the bottom? Like, how are they getting that while the fight is happening? Because these guys are shirtless. I'm like, how are yeah. you monitoring this? I I believe that there's a there's a strip, a power strip, um, inside the glove around the wrist area to get your pulse rate. Oh you wow. Know? Now, obviously, we know that the thing around the the breast strap is more accurate because it's closer to the heart. But I think mm-hmm. it goes by bioimpedance, so it's getting it through your heart rate, and it's actually even able to tell the speed of your punches. There's oh, a wow. lot of new amazing tech out right now for fitness and for martial arts that it's uh, even Everlast has like a, a punching thing where it can tell you the speed and the accuracy of your punches. So. They're using technology. It's like the next step up for the next generation of people who are interested in tech and martial arts and, you know, very iRobot. But it's really trying to merge the ideas of understanding what goes on in the human body as you are actually in combat, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. I'm just surprised that it's it's crazy how they can make something so small that it, it's not going to affect, uh, you know, what's happening during the yeah. fight. Yeah, it's. I think it's like it's like a strip. It's um, 
like it just kind of sticks to the to the wrist or the in the, the thing might actually be on inside the glove that i i haven't seen karate combats but i know the everlast one is literally like a little piece of tape like a oh, thick wow. piece of tape yeah Wow, that's amazing. And that was one thing, too. I, I, I remember sparring with those. Those are like the Shuto Japan gloves that they wear during the event, too. Which, yeah. I don't know. I mean, in your opinion, do you think that? I mean, I, I know with the, with the power that these guys pack, um, how much of a difference do you think it makes when they land a solid punch as far as, like, protecting? I mean, obviously, their hands are protected. But in my, when I used to wear them, I used to think, because I'm, I'm not a mean person, I used to yeah. think, oh, I hope it doesn't hurt the other person that much either. Um, I think the padding around the knuckle area is really, really thick. Mm -hmm. So it's really more to avoid getting cut. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like as far as like a bare knuckle situation and to protect their hands so they could keep going and not break their hands. I haven't seen the gloves, um, up close yet. Boss Mm -hmm. has, and he loves them. So I pretty much trust his opinion, but (laughs) yeah, you know, and the whole thing about karate, like you remember like the whole being in a traditional stance and learning the breath and the ki with the punches is because it really is about really executing power. Yeah. And speaking about the, I mean, when I was looking at the roster, there's, there seems, uh, there's obviously various styles of, uh, of uh, karate competitors in karate combat. Yeah. I kind of, and I noticed it in the, in, on, in the Genesis event, there seemed to be a lot of guys from Shotokan. Is that a fair assessment? Did you notice uh, the stance, like the differences in, in, uh, I did, I did. And I I don't know if it's that, um, Shotokan really, spread more when karate first came to the states i know that like shotokan is really really popular in america i'm not really sure about other you know countries and which which karate becomes the most popular or the most prevalent which is definitely a good question it's something i want to look into i just found like shotokan seemed to be the most um tournament friendly style yeah. Right. So like people who are used to the karate circuits and the karate tournaments and who go on to be professional fighters seem to kind of ha- follow that rule set or that discipline. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, obviously you, you mentioned boss a few times. What's it like working with him? Uh, uh, it's got to be fun. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's really surreal for me because my first week of karate, I have asthma. Oh, and and I started late in life. I started karate like in my early twenties and um, I was afraid to have an asthma attack in class and I was trying to hide it. And this old guy comes up to me and he's a black belt and he's like, listen, don't worry if you have asthma and you do karate, there's a world champion. His name is boss root. And then he's, you know, he has asthma. So I'm like immediately look him up and I start following him and watching all his fights and completely admiring the guy. And it was pretty much because of that, that I stayed. Mm. And then 10 years later I meet him and I'm like, I tell him the story and we become buddies. And um, so it's really surreal that not only did I meet boss, but now because of karate and then asthma and now I'm working with him. So it's really kind of how yeah. your career can take that whole turn. Yeah. I mean, boss is a big influence. I had the pleasure of meeting him a few times. I was at his hall of fame induction and uh, he actually did a seminar here in Jersey. Like with, at, uh, he does, Dan Mary doesn't have the school anymore, but back when he had his school in Elizabeth, yeah. I did a seminar there, and that was my first time meeting him. And uh, I had just gotten into uh, stepping outside of karate, actually. I, I, uh, there was a sambo guy there, and then that's how I find my way into jiu-jitsu and stuff. But um, yeah. it's crazy just how uh, – how, uh, so with karate combat, one of the things I noticed, too, during the fights is that there, it seemed there was a couple of points – I forget who the fighter was, but a takedown happened, 
and it looked like the guy wanted to cinch in a guillotine and then realized that he couldn't. So, I mean, was there a lot of that going on uh, with the first Genesis event that you noticed? Um, yeah, you can see, like, because it, the flow of it is pretty new. That's why I can't wait to see what happens in the next six months. Mm. Because when your body starts to get used to knowing what you can and can't do, and when you get in the flow of it, you can see some hesitation in the first couple fights of, like, who can do what and who wants to do what and who's used to doing this and that. Or um, you see because uh, it's the pit, right? And the pit is like really awesome and people aren't used to fighting yeah. in this pit. And um, you can use the sides of the wall. So you see Quayhagen like wants to use it, but you know, where can you use it? Where can you practice that? So once they start getting more familiar with what they can and cannot mm. do, I just think it's going to escalate each and every uh, competition. So yeah, I totally agree. I, I see them thinking you know, because when you're a fighter yeah. or you competed yourself, you, you can see them thinking or you can see like when the flow is is slightly off or they want to do other things. I mean, how many times like when you're like, OK, sparring hands only and then you're bringing like, oh, I could have thrown a knee. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? So I think that happens to all of us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, one of the things I was thinking, too, is like uh, if these guys or do you even know are any of these guys? Have they fought in MMA? Or are they thinking about crossing over? Are their there's contracts a, exclusive? There's a couple. I don't. I don't think their contracts are exclusive right now. I have to check on that. But mm-hmm. there was like Josh Quayhagen. I know he fought for Bellator. Uh, there was a couple other guys who had fought on on different organizations as well. And I hope that some MMA karate guys actually come over. I think it would be super cool to see some of them fight. Like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, like I know Tiffany Van Soost is her start was karate before she got into Muay Thai and she did point fighting forever too. So I think she would adapt really, really well. So I, I would love to see how, uh, how it crosses over. I mean, look at somebody like Edson Barboza. If mm. he had an amazing, uh, like any type of, full contact stand up league, he would have completely dominated, you know, he wouldn't have to deal with these killer wrestlers that he has to deal with all the time. Yeah. So I'm ho- that I'm hoping for that type of quality uh, stand up fights with karate combat. Yeah. Are you going to go, are you going to be in Miami for the, for tomorrow or no? No, I'm, I'm contracted with the LFA this week, so I won't oh. be, I won't be there, but hopefully I'll be at some of their other shows. I'm looking forward to, cause their whole thing is these exotic locations. Cause I want it to look like yeah. a video game and every video game starts with like, choose where you want to fight. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of like that. Yeah. So, and, and tourism boards actually love this too, because you're going to see all these crazy locations on the app. When you go to the app, you'll look at some, cra- you know, maybe Okinawa, Japan, or the Parthenon in Greece. Like it could be these crazy places to throw fights. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping for any type of Japanese situation. <laughs> want to be in yeah. on that one. They should, uh, I mean, you know what? I feel like if they should probably try to pitch to like Capcom or one of these video game companies to sponsor an event, you know, cause obviously, uh, uh, I mean the, 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 the fan culture is definitely, interested in combats but there's fighting games there's a ufc game yeah i just mentioned the capcom because everybody knows about street fighter angela hill does the cosplay yeah. uh that, that's a really good uh i mean i don't know if, if anyone thought of that i mean if they're listening hopefully uh somebody pitches that to somebody and it's such a great idea because the crossover fans with pop culture and martial arts are tremendous right like all of us 
we're I'm a huge nerd, comic books, superheroes, martial arts, you know, all that stuff to me goes absolutely hand in hand. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, all all those heroes in 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 that genre, um, you know, they're all they're all masters of something, some type of martial art, and you see it in the movies and everything you read. Uh, I mean, I I think it's safe to say everybody's kind of a, a nerd now. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, with Infinity sure. Wars coming out this weekend, so um, yeah, yeah, so definitely. Um, all right, uh, I think that's it for me. I mean, um, if you have anything else that you want to uh, plug, all the projects you're working on. Uh, feel uh, free I mean, to go ahead. You guys can find me, you know, on uh, Instagram and all that good stuff. But the podcast is in fighting shape, powered by Everlast, and we really cover everything in not just martial arts, but like health, fitness, wellness, all types of cool stuff. I really urge people to check out Karate dot com. It's only going to get better every single time. It's very, very interesting to watch. It's free. And freeze cool. You're on the bus, yeah. you're on the train, you watch a fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's available to you, which is great. So, um, yeah, so check that out. And I love hearing from fans. So stay in touch with me and let me know what you think. Cool. Thank you again so much. And, uh, you know what? Actually, let me ask you one more thing. This is just sure. off the top of my head because you and I usually are at uh, stuff in New York when uh, MMA comes to New York City. Um, and uh, just, I, we never really get to talk because we're both there for what we're assigned for. But yeah, the uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, because I asked I asked uh, on the side, I asked Jim Jenny and I asked other people from the area. So your your report card for MMA in New York, what do you give it? Um, so do you mean events that have been put on there or do you mean like what we've been up to? <laughs> I mean, like uh, just your 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 overall like are you happy with since the ban got lifted you know or like like how do you think the how do you think the sport's been handled since they've been able to to have it for for the big leagues like ufc and bellator and, and um you know professional fighters league yeah. they've put on some great shows really good cards yeah. um really you know I, they've done some great cool things they've put on some great things but the insurance thing is yeah. so crazy that all of these fighters, unfortunately, still can't grow themselves and get the practice that they need because there's not enough amateur leagues here to give them good quality fights. So I, there's a few, but it, I just I wish there was more, right? Like I would love to see the LFA here. I would, I would love yeah. to see CES here, which I think CES has one coming up in, in May. So that's my only current sort of bad report. I, the insurance thing is absolutely nuts. I get that they're trying to protect the fighters. I understand what the athletic, you know, what they're trying to do, but I just, ah, I just, I just yeah. want there to be more quality so that these, these guys can be better you know, even, even there should just be more shows. That's all. I think there should be more shows for them. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Cause we, uh, I feel like, you know, we spent all that time. We were out there on, on Broadway or whatever it was in front of Carl Heasty's office with, with the band and everything. And, and it's like, we were, right. expe- we were expecting an influx and we didn't really get it because we didn't know about this, this thing with the insurance until it happened. And so, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with that. Okay, cool. Thank. You. I didn't mean to throw <laughs> you a curveball. Don't. don't no, um. no, no. I, but it's true. It's like, I, and I, I don't want to take away from any of the leagues that are out yeah. there right now. But I just feel like we need a few more, you know, so that these 
these guys can stay busy and really grow their brands and grow themselves as, as professionals. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks again for your time. I know you're busy and you got stuff to do, so I appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to talk and uh, no problem. nice talking to you. Yeah. Good talking to you too.